Um, and there's a great book that was written several years ago, I would highly recommend, by Philip Keller. It's called A Shepherd's Look at the 23rd Psalm. Tremendous things. And I'll be uh, actually pulling from a couple of his quotes this morning. Psalms 23, let's read. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So, Father, we come before you this morning with grateful hearts, thanking you ahead of time for utterance, thanking you for speaking to us through your word and by your spirit. And, Lord, we make the conscientious decision this morning that we'll not just be hearers of your word, but we will be doers thereof. And we shall be blessed in our doing, and we thank you for it now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. And so last week, you may be seated, we talked about he maketh us to lie down in green pastures, and he leads us beside the still waters. Let me quote something from Philip Keller. Um, We won't be covering that again in depth this morning. But from that book, he says, he writes that the sheep do not lie down easily and will not unless four conditions are met. Because they are timid, they will not lie down if they're afraid. Because they are social animals, they will not lie down if there is friction among the sheep. If flies or parasites trouble them, they will not lie down. And finally, if sheep are anxious about food or hungry, they will not lie down. And then he goes on to say that rest comes because the shepherd has dealt with fear, he's dealt with friction, he's dealt with flies, and he's dealt with famine. Aren't you glad that you have the Lord, your good shepherd? And then he goes on to say he makes me uh, lie down by still waters. He says that the shepherd knows when the sheep need green pastures and knows when the sheep need still waters. I'm so glad that he doesn't lead us beside the troubled waters. I'm glad that he leads you and I beside the still waters. In Psalms 100 and verse 3, the scripture says, Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and we are the sheep of his pasture. The message translation says we are his people, his well-tended sheep. We discovered last week from Psalm 23, verse 1 in the Amplified, that our shepherd feeds us, he guides us, and he shields us. Say that with me. He feeds me, he guides me, and he shields me. And of course, we've talked about this before, but in 1 Peter 2.25, the scripture says that we are all like sheep that have gone astray, but now we have returned to the shepherd and overseer or the bishop of our souls. Amen. So how many of you know that it is vital for your soul to be healthy? It's vital for your mind to be very, very healthy. 
In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it breaks it down that we are three-part beings. We are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live inside of a physical body. And just to quote that, he says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, that your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved or kept intact until the Lord returns. And then, of course, uh, John, the beloved John, when he was aged, who was looked up to by many, many men of God and women of God in that day, he writes in 3 John 2, he says, Beloved, I wish or I pray above all things that you may prosper and that you may be in health even as your soul prospers. So it's extremely vital because how many of you know that life can be stressful? There's all sorts of pulls and there's all sorts of struggles that if you allow them to, they can take a toll on your soul. And that is the reason why our soul must continually be washed in the word and our soul must continually be restored. I love this in Proverbs 14 and in verse 30 and in the Amplified Version. Brenda shared this with me uh, this week one morning as we were having coffee. If you could pull that up in Proverbs 14 and verse 30 in the Amplified Version, we're going to notice something about a calm and peaceful mind. You see, he wants you to be calm in your soul. I love this. He says, a calm and what kind of mind? A calm and an undisturbed mind, that's a sound mind. That's a prosperous mind. That is a mind that is full of peace. Well, what about a calm and undisturbed mind and heart? They are the life and health of the body. Does what we think about matter to our lives? It matters concerning your attitude. It matters even concerning your physical body. Thank God we have a calm and undisturbed mind because the Lord, our good shepherd, continually restores our soul. Now, everyone here has been to a dentist, and if you haven't been yet, you might need to go. But at any rate, you've all seen these dental ads that promise a restored smile. You know, when teeth are broken and and teeth are discolored, uh, they say that a dentist can bring back restored teeth and bring back a restored smile. Well, in a similar way, you see, our thinking can be broken and stained by the spirit of this world. And so our soul then needs to be restored. Everyone say restore. Restore. Now, the word restore simply means this, to revive to bring back, to reinvigorate, to refresh, or to reset. One author says that the word restore means to reinstate to its original condition. And that means that it can be better than before, it can be rebuilt, and it can be renewed. And so when we think about soul restoration, we think about mind renewal, don't we? In uh, Romans, I think it's chapter 12, verse 2, it says that we are not to be conformed to this world, but we are to be transformed. The word transformed is metamorpho in the Greek. We get our English word metamorphosis in the English from that. Amen. Mm-hmm. Wh- who, what turns into a butterfly? 
caterpillar turns into a butterfly. That's a metamorphosis. In other words, what the, on the inside shows up into a beautiful butterfly on the outside. Well, how many of you know that you're a new creation in Christ Jesus? You are complete in Him. You are loved of God. And what He wants us to do is get so saturated and filled with the Word of God that we're not conformed to the spirit of this world, but we're transformed by the renewing of our mind so what's on the inside of us shows up on the outside. And that is soul restoration. Amen. In James chapter 1, I believe it's around verse 21 and verse 23, he says, lay aside all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. Then he goes on to say, and receive with meekness or with a teachable heart or with an open heart, receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save, to renew, to revive, to reinvigorate, To restore to its original condition, your soul. Amen? Amen? Amen. So it's important that your soul is influenced by the Word of God daily. And that your soul is influenced by the Spirit of the living God. You talk about freedom in your soul. If you will submit yourself to God, submit yourself to His Word, turn off the influences of the world, you will be like you're a different person. In Psalms 19, verse 7, it says this, that the law of the Lord is perfect. It's perfect. It's, it has the ability to convert the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, and it makes wise the simple. The word there for converting is literally the Hebrew word for reviving. So we could read it like this. The word of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Maybe you are here this morning and you need a revival in your soul. The good news is this. It's available to whoever shall shall call upon the name of the Lord. Whoever will draw near to God and take this word and let it dwell in them richly can have a revival in their soul. Amen. Now... Once again, from Philip Keller's book, he talks about a cast sheep, a cast sheep. A cast sheep is an old English word for sheep that cannot right themselves without assistance. A cast sheep is a sheep that has fallen or somehow turned over on its back with its feet in the air and they flay frantically They bleed loudly, and what happens is gases build up in their stomach. And if they're not attended to by the shepherd, they suffocate, and their legs and their feet go completely numb. So they are helpless, they are hopeless, and they're most vulnerable. And so if the shepherd doesn't come in in time, this sheep will die in its cast-down state. Not only that, but they are open prey to buzzards and to vultures, even dogs and coyotes. This is an ever-present danger and can happen to any of the sheep. Listen to what Philip Keller says. He says, as soon as I reached the cast ewe or the cast sheep, my first impulse was to pick it up. But he said, tenderly, I would roll the sheep over on its side. This would relieve the pressure of the gases in the rumen. If she had been down for long, I would have to, 
I would have to lift her on, on, on her feet. Then straddling the sheep with my legs, I would hold her erect, rubbing her limbs, restoring the circulation to her legs. This often took quite some time. And when the sheep started to walk again, she often would just stumble and collapse in a heap once more. He goes on to say, all the time I worked on the cast sheep, I would talk to it gently. He would say, when are you going to learn to stand on your own two feet? I'm so glad I found you in time, you rascal. And then he went on to say, little by little, the sheep would regain its equilibrium. It would start to walk steadily and surely. By and by, it would dash away to rejoin the others, set free from its fears and frustrations, given another chance to live a little longer. And he goes on to say, all of this pageantry is conveyed to my heart and mind when I repeat this simple statement, he restores my soul. And that's exactly the kind of shepherd that we have. You know, if a person strays away from the flock, we serve a shepherd that will lead the 99 and he'll go after the one. Come on, somebody. And I don't know exactly where you are in your walk today, but understand this, that a good shepherd is never fed up. He's never disgusted. He's never furious. He never threatens to put us out when he finds us cast down. Thank God he's there to restore. Can you raise your hands and thank God for the good shepherd who restores our soul? Hallelujah! And so his presence then supernaturally and incredibly restores our souls. His word converts our souls. He speaks lovingly. He speaks tenderly. He speaks encouragingly. Son, daughter, you've been away too long. It's time to get up, get back up on your faith feet and walk in the spirit and stop fulfilling the lust of the flesh. And everyone said amen. Amen. Now, the good news is this. If a person has been weakened through life circumstances, if a person has been weakened for whatever reason, that person can be strong again. Psalms 37 says it like this, that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his ways. And though he falls... He shall not utterly be cast down. For what does the Lord do? For the Lord upholds him with his hand. In other words, he takes that person who has fallen in a weakened condition and upholds that person with the right hand of his righteousness and strengthens them by the power of God. Amen. Proverbs 24 says it like this. A just man may fall seven times, but rises up again. But the wicked fall into mischief. Do good men and do good women need to be strengthened? Have you ever needed to be strengthened? Is it possible for a person that has been away from the Lord, maybe for several years, To come back to the fold. Is it possible 
just like it was for Peter. How many of you know Peter had some ups? And Peter had some downs. You know, one moment he's saying, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. The next minute, he's trying to talk the Lord out of going to the cross. And Jesus said, get thee behind Satan. In other words, he's yielding to the Spirit of God one day. And then he's yielding to the influences of the world and demons the next. But can a person be strong again? Can a person who once served the Lord fervently and went back into the world be restored? I say to you, yes, yes, and amen. And I'm prophesying that prodigals are coming back into the fold from the north, south, east, and west around the world back into their place that God has them to be. Amen. So this is the kind of attitude that we need to have. We need to have this attitude of restoration. You know what? You can get back up again. You can be strong again. You know, Jesus prayed for Peter. He said, Simon, he told him, he warned him, he says, you know, Satan desired to have you, Peter. Then he may sift you as wheat. But he says, but I prayed for you. He said, I prayed for you. And when you're converted or when you're strengthened, I want you to go strengthen and help your brothers be converted. Hallelujah. Now, Peter denied Christ not once, not twice, but three times. But Peter was able to get back up on his feet. And you know what helped Peter get back up on his feet more than anything? It was a revelation of how much Jesus really loved him. Because after Jesus rose from the dead and came up out of the grave, here's what he said. Go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter that he goes before you into Galilee. There you'll see him as he said to you. And they went out quickly. So Jesus gave them a message. Go tell Peter. He makes a special message to Peter, the one that denied him three times. That restored Peter's soul. It gave him a special hope. It gave him a special restoration. Strength came to Peter because he was able to see something. And I believe this, that God has given you and I spiritual eyes. And that when we really grasp hold And we really see how much he cares for us and how much he loves us. Oh, we'll be strong again. We'll be strengthened. If we've been been weakened by the circumstances and the issues of this life, God give us strength to see. Help us to see your love and to know the love of Christ. Which passes knowledge. I'm going to read this from a different translation, so you don't need to look it up. But in this discourse that 
the Apostle Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus. He prays this in Ephesians 3.18. May you have the strength to see. Everyone say strength to see. See it where? See it here. Know it here. Strength to see with all the saints. How wide, how long, and how deep His love is. I submit to you that that enabled Peter to stand up on the day of Pentecost. He went from Peter the denier to Peter the Holy Ghost preaching prophesier. Hallelujah! God can turn anyone's life around that will cooperate with the restoration power of their good shepherd. Now let's address something here that David dealt with. David, of course, is the author of the 23rd Psalm. And you know, David was a man that experienced quite a few ups and quite a few downs. But David was smart. David didn't stay down. David got back up. And if Peter got back up, above all, if Jesus got back up, (laughs) if Paul got back up, David got back up, you can get back up. I said, you can get back up. You can be strong again. Yeah, but I've been yielding to fear, Pastor, and I've been yielding to despondency. Yeah, but that was yesterday. All you got to do is close the books on yesterday and stop looking in the rearview window. Hallelujah. And keep your eyes set upon Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of your faith. Stop talking about what you used to be and what you used to do and what you used to did and start talking about what he did and what you're going to do today. Today is the day the Lord has made. The just shall live by faith. I'm operating in strong faith. And you do not have to have everything perfect before you please God. If we had to wait until everything was perfect to please God, we'd be in a big mess. The scripture does not say, but without good results, it's impossible to please him. The scripture doesn't say, but without all your bills being paid, it's impossible to please him. No, he says without faith. Without faith. You can have bills up to here. You can have your body racked with pain. But through the pain and through the bills, you just look up to heaven and say, Thanks be unto God who always causes me to triumph. Thanks be to God that gives me the victory. Thanks be to God. I'm debt free. My body is healed. I'm strong in the Lord. In the power of His might. That, my friend, pleases God. Your fight is not with your symptoms. Your fight is not with the devil. Your fight is not with the bills. Your fight is the good fight of faith and staying in the arena of faith and absolutely casting down every imagination contrary to the word that comes against your life. Say with me, the Lord is my shepherd. He restores my soul. See, here's what happens. 
A lot of Christians feel badly and feel guilty because they're still dealing with the same symptoms, still dealing with the same junk. Now that's the devil's ploy to get you depressed and to get you despondent and get you to feel bad and get you to feel down. But even in the midst of all that, if you'll just continue to thank God and praise God that you are healed. Praise God that your kids are coming from afar. Praise God before the manifestation comes. You will always at all times please God. How many of you know that Enoch walked with God? He walked with God. And he got translated. And Enoch walked with God by faith. But listen to this. But before he got translated, he had this testimony that he pleased God. What's your testimony? What's your testimony? Your testimony ought to be, I please God. Faith pleases God. Now let's look at David here. Psalm 42, verse 11. Psalm 42, verse 11 says, Why are you cast down? There's that word again. O my soul. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? And then he says, Hope in God. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to praise him still. The help of my countenance and my God. Now, Very interesting here. This word cast down means to it means to sink, it means to depress, it means to bring low, it means to be disquieted to the point of crying aloud. Here's what David did. David looked at his soul and he began to talk to himself. He looked at his situation and he began to have a conversation with himself. David didn't discourage himself in the Lord. David encouraged himself in the Lord. He said, soul, hey, I'm talking to you. Pay attention. Why are you cast down? Soul, I asked you a question now. What in the world are you doing? So you're going to magnify the Lord today. He's bossing his soul around from his spirit man. Come on. Soul, look what the Lord's already done for you. You've got no reason to be disquieted. You've got no reason. You've got no biblical reason to be depressed. Look where soul, come on, look where he's brought you from. <laughs> you will not be disquieted, soul. You will not be discontent. You will not be despondent, soul. You will not be in despair. Yeah. Hallelujah. So you're going to get up today and you're going to praise the Lord anyway. You're going to get up, soul, and you're going to speak victory. Soul, you're going to get up. And you're going to overcome. How many of you had to do that to your body today? But I see you made it. Why? Because your body is not in charge. 
your heart by the power of God and your soul are in charge. And what they've done then is they've teamed up on your flesh. And your flesh must follow suit. Everyone say, soul, get on up. Soul, get up and rejoice. Now, the counterfeit of this is, chin up, old chap. Chin up. It's going to get better. Chin up. Now, this isn't chin up. This is rise up. This is get up. (laughs) Now, I'm going to make a statement to you. You're not defeated until you yield to fear. You're not defeated... Until you yield to discouragement. You're not defeated. Until you yield to hopelessness. I believe this. That we can be strong. To resist the spirit of fear. Are you here today? You haven't gone home yet have you? Strong. To resist despondency. How many of you know what despair is? Despair and despondency is having an expectation of bad. Faith expects the best. Fear expects the worst. Faith confidently expects God. Fear weakly expects things to get worse. God can make you strong. And he can train you to get so proficient in your walk with him and in your walk with faith that you detect fear when it comes around the corner. That you detect despondency before it even gets to your house. Never say, I dread this or I dread that. Because what you're saying when you are saying, I dread this or dread that, you're saying, I'm really afraid of this. I'm really afraid of that. What you're doing is yielding to despondency. But oh, thank God. Say it with me, I'm strong. To resist despair. So what am I telling you today? I'm saying, be like David. Be a good soldier. Pull yourself up. How many of you know it takes some courage to follow Jesus? John G. Lake says it like this. He says, the gospel is the strong man's gospel. Hallelujah. You've got the same spirit in you that Jesus had in him. The same spirit that had no quit in him has no quit in you. Here's your confession. You know, though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because you are with me. Look at Psalm 41. Notice with me in verse 10. And we're going to look at it from the uh, amplified version. Say it with me. I refuse to fear. I refuse to be discouraged. I refuse to be in despair. I refuse to feel sorry for myself. Now, let's look at Isaiah 41.10. Are you ready? Let's read together. Ready? Read. Fear not. There is nothing to fear. 
Oh, I said Psalms. I just meant Isaiah 41.10. My good. Isaiah 41, verse 10. Fear not! There's nothing to fear. Why? Because I'm with you. Don't look around you and tear and be dismayed. Quit it. Amen. How many of you know that other folks have been through much more than you have and cried less? He said, I'm your God. He said, I will strengthen you. I will harden you to difficulties. And I'm going to help you. He says, yes, I will hold you up. And I will retain you with my victorious right hand of rightness and justice. Hallelujah. Strong again. Strong again. Strong in the Lord. And what? The power of his might. Strong to see the love of God. Hallelujah. How many of you believe this? That when God tells you something, it gives you an enablement to be that way. (laughs) Right? When God said, light be, whoo, the Holy Ghost went into action. (laughs) And light has been streaming since that day that light said, light be. Now, how many of you remember a guy by the name of Joshua? In closing, we'll take a look at him just for a moment. guy by the name of Joshua... And he was to follow Moses. How many of you know that following Moses were some pretty big shoes to fill? So let's go over to Joshua chapter 1 in closing this morning. Let's take a few moments here to look at this. Joshua 1. And notice with me in verse 1. And we'll look here and, and, and notice a couple things. He says, now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua... The son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, get depressed. Now, therefore, do what? In other words, get up. Okay, you've had the funeral. Moses is gone. We honor Moses. We thank God for Moses. But at the end of the day, Moses is just a man. Come on. Just like you're just a man. And like I'm just a man, and though a man may go on to be with the Lord, the work of the Lord never finishes until he's finished. And so God's always got a plan. He's always got a Joshua. And he says, now Joshua, get up. Go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them. Even to the children of Israel. I want you to notice that he says, I have already given you the land. Verse 3. He said, in every place that the sole of your foot shall do what? It was given, but he still had to walk it out. There are things that have been given to you, but you still need to walk it out. And the main walk that we walk is we walk by faith and not by sight. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. 
even as I said unto Moses. It's very interesting to me that he said it to Moses. Moses died, but the plan of God and the will of God was still in place. Now notice with me in verse 4. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. Verse 5. Read it with me. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you. Now personalize that. Say this with me. He will not fail me. He will uphold me. He will not forsake me. He will help me. Now here comes a strong word that Joshua needed to hear. He's given the promise. He's got to walk it out. And while he's walking this promise out, he cannot afford to be weak. Look at verse 6. Everyone say, be strong. Say it again. Be strong. The same one who said, like be, said to Joshua, be strong. The same God who said, like be, who said to Joshua, be strong, said to you and Hayward, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong. And of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land. Which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Listen friends. Look it up here. Look up here. We're almost done. This is not some sort of locker room pep talk. This is the Lord himself. This is the creator of the universe. The strong and mighty one says, be strong. Hallelujah. In other words, courage be. Strength be. Oh, I love it. Verse 7. Only be thou strong. Verse 7. Only be thou strong and of a, what? Be of a good courage, verse 7, that you may observe to do according to all the word which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. He's not saying maybe so if you try this on for size, see if it fits. He's commanding him. To be strong. In the head of the church, the one who restores our soul is commanding you and commanding me to be strong. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the word. Verse 8 and verse 9 in closing. Let's read it together. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. 
For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. And then he reiterates, he says, have not I commanded you? Well, how many times did it take for Joshua to get it? Well, never mind about Joshua. How many times does it take us to get it? (laughs) Come on, somebody. He says, have not I commanded you. Remember this this week. When the enemy comes to weaken your faith and to get you to look at circumstances. I've commanded you to be strong. And be of a good courage. And don't be afraid. Don't you be dismayed. That word dismayed there in verse 9 carries with, the, carries with it this thought. Don't be broke down. In other words, you don't have to break down. You can be strong and rise up.